So we are, are continuing our series on work this morning, thinking about the, the work that we do, and I hope that you are thinking about your job from a spiritual perspective during this series. I've invited Lindsay Penrod to come up and share uh, this morning. Yeah, you want to give her a hand? About... <clears throat> about what she does. So first, Lindsay, can you just explain kind of what what you're doing right now and why you feel called to that? Yeah, so I'm in my last year of grad school for physical therapy. Um, I'm working at Kaiser right now in just general outpatient ortho and pelvic floor, which is really intimate and, (laughs) you know, uh, it's really interesting. Didn't think we'd talk about pelvic floor today, but here we go. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Um, and I kind of lucked into it in undergrad. I got kind of a random job at a clinic, and um, I was already a STEM major, so I was like, yay, science, but I wanted to go into healthcare, and it just seemed like um, the perfect fit for me. Um, Not really invasive healthcare, like conservative, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. What do you enjoy about the job? Um, So I see patients for anywhere from like two months to a year. And so you really get to build a relationship with your patients and I share my life with them, they share their life with me. And so that's what I really love about PT is it's one-on-one relationship building and obviously like I cater their rehab to their specific goals. Um, I saw a patient last week who's like, I wanna cycle 25 miles every weekend. I'm like, great, let's do that. So, yeah, that's what I love about PT. That's awesome. And what do you see as the the spiritual part of your work? How do you see God and kind of the work that you're doing? Um, I feel like God comes to me in the relationship that I'm building with the patients and more so how I get to learn from the patients that I see. Rather it be like an 86-year-old man who wants to ski and I'm like, wow, okay, we can do that. Or a 17-year-old kid who like, Taurus hamstring. So um, just really the relationship building, um, connection building, learning from other people, learning about different perspectives and life stories. That's how I see. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. And now, you know, if you have any PT needs, just talk to her, uh, which I, our, our kids actually have been doing some physical therapy stuff for a couple things that, that they're working on. And then I was playing softball on Lindsay and, and Drew's softball team and hurt my back. I'm finally thinking I'm better, but still being uh, very careful. And so um, our four-year-old daughter, Nora, was like, Dad, you hurt your back. You should go to physical therapy. And I was like, now I know why it's annoying to have your kids give you advice. So I'm a little, a little more cautious. Um, that was, that's the first of many, I think, when she'll be like, Dad, you should do this. So that was a pretty great. So thank you for sharing, Lindsay. Uh, and again, I hope that this is a time when you're thinking about your work, maybe for the first time from a spiritual perspective, because it really does matter a lot to God. And I've asked you, if, if you have time, and you're interested to read a book called Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller, which is um, a, a resource that I'm using a lot uh, during this series. And I hope that you get a chance to, to just think about uh, what it is that is spiritual about your work, because it matters and it's important. And it's one of those things I just don't think we talk about in church enough, but as I've been thinking about it a lot, especially over these few weeks, I've been uh, thinking about uh, just how work is everywhere. Like you see articles about work everywhere. Like as you start to think about something, you see it all the time. I saw this article about a guy who was working at Netflix and he quit his job at Netflix uh, making $450,000 a year because he was bored. And I, I wish, I wish that I could do a job for like three or four years and have 450K and be bored. Like that sounds uh, good. But he said that the, the reason that he did it is because he just wanted more meaning in his life. 
And I know I fall into the trap. Like, I think the money's going to give me the meaning, right? Like, if I had that, then I'd be good. You know, I, I, that would make me feel like I was filled with meaning and purpose. And it's just so interesting to hear from someone who had, like, that kind of a job. And he said, oh, it's, just, it's not worth it. I don't have the quote on the screen behind me, but he said, I thought my life would be over after leaving Netflix. I was worried that I have no social life, as it had previously revolved around work. The opposite actually happened. As I've met people through starting my own business, other entrepreneurs, writers, and creators, I now feel a deep calmness inside me, an unshakable belief that everything will be okay, even if any future success is not guaranteed right now. It's been eight months since I quit my job at Netflix, and I've decided to commit myself fully to working for myself. Although I'm just starting and don't have any income yet, I'm going to trust the process that if I do work that energizes me, good things are going to happen. And again, I think it's easy for us to fall into this trap that if we just had enough money, if you put the right dollar amount on it, and let me tell you why I know that that's not true, and you know that's not true, because whatever that dollar amount is, it's more than you make right now. And think about how, you know, 20 years in the past or so, you would have been blown away to be making the money that you do right now. You'd have thought, wow, no, no one can touch me by making that. So it's not actually that, I think, that gives us meaning and purpose. And in uh, Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller, he says we need to rediscover and, and reconnect with a word that has been used to describe work and life forever. And it's a word in Latin, a vocation. And what vocation means is simply calling. Like, you're, you're calling in your life. And I've asked Austin for some help uh, bringing this whiteboard up. It's apparently teacher day um, to, to help with this. And I'm super excited. Austin's going to be preaching next week. I'm really excited to hear, hear a word uh, from him uh, next Sunday. Nora has her first dance recital at 10 a.m. next Sunday. So I'll be watching some dancing. And uh, he'll, be, he'll be preaching for us. But what I would like us to, to think about this morning is the idea that vocation is this, this big circle around our, our meaning and our purpose and our work. So I'll put vocation, not vacation, vocation <laughs> up here. And if you are a, a, a follower of Jesus, I would argue that your vocation, no matter what it is that you do with your job, is to serve others and bless the world to serve others in the name of Jesus, help people to come to know Jesus because of the way that you work, because of the way that you interact. But that would be the lens that you see everything through. And it might be that your job is a small part of that right now, that you recognize that there's ways that you can do it in your job, but it's maybe like outside of work that you're able to bless people a little bit more. Or maybe there's just certain things that, that you can't do in, in your current context that you wish you would, you know, bless people a little bit more. But maybe what we need to think about is how, like, within this vocation, we could just make our, our job, whatever it is, just a, a bigger way of thinking about, all right, I'm going to see my entire calling to, to serve the world, to bless others, through the, the lens of, all right, I, I want to serve others, and I'm going to use my job to do that. So many times I think of it in, in reverse. We think of Christianity as like a subset of our work. And, the, you know, it's like only when I'm sharing my faith or only when I'm doing certain things am I, like, able to, to share Christ. But it's like, no, no, you, you share Christ by serving others, by just being available. 
And you know this happens, right? There's times when there's somebody, um, yesterday we had a flat tire and I took it in to get it fixed and the, the person who was there, uh, he was just, he was just so kind and so helpful. And it's those little interactions that we have all the time and, and you don't even realize how much it blesses you, but you can be that person no matter what it is that you happen to be doing. So could you start to see your life through the lens of, of being a servant? Could you start to say, all right, you know, there's, there's, there's frustrating things um, about my job. At the beginning of this series, I talked about uh, thorns and thistles in work, which Genesis tells us, and someone who I won't name, who is a teacher, uh, said, uh, my, the thorns and thistles I have have names, because they're actually, because they're hard. And, and it's probably not just the students, it's also the parents, right? They, it, it, it's hard. Like, anything that you do is hard. And it's really hard, then, to keep resetting and going back to, all right, but my primary calling is to serve people. Because you've been hurt by people, you've been rejected by people, you've had people like let you down, you've had people say hard things to you, so it's hard to get back to this place and say, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna reset and allow my, my vocation, my, my higher calling in Jesus to be the way that I see and interact with people. And of course, this isn't just about your job, this is how you are constantly, the way that you live in the world. And it makes a difference. I'm, I'm done with the board now, thank you. But I hope that you will recognize that like, the, the way that you, you think about your, your entire life is about helping and serving others because it matters. One of the times that's interesting um, in human history that I, I was doing some, doing some reading about this, and this is in Every Good Endeavor, during World War II is one of the times that in the U.S. people were happiest. That's surprising but it's because there was a great purpose that everyone was, was united behind. And I think of something like what we've experienced and are still experiencing with, with COVID, and unfortunately it's been so divisive. That's one reason that it's so hard, because some people think we're gonna fight it this way, some people think we're gonna fight it that way, and it just ends up with us not really being United, but in a book called Habits of the Heart, Robert Bella says that the biggest problem facing the, the Western world is hyper-individualism. We've been taught to think very selfishly about how things go. If you go, go back to that first start of that, thanks Chance, you got up that, that quick, that was great. Um, so we don't approach work with the primary intention of serving others. Uh, if our world is to be helped, we should have a reappropriation of the idea of vocation or calling, a return in a new way to the idea of work as a, con as a contribution to the good of all and not merely as a means to one's own advancement. Could you think of your, your work in your life like that? Could you think of it in, in, in terms like, all right, I'm, I'm going to use my resources, I'm going to use my gifts to be a blessing to the world. And I'm not going to think primarily of myself first. I'm not on LinkedIn, but I know many of you are. I, I think I'll probably start a profile uh, just to kind of get more in kind of the work way. But I was looking at like what, what's common pieces of advice on LinkedIn. And generally the number one piece of advice on LinkedIn is get as much money as you possibly can. You are worth a lot. And on some level, I, I agree with that. You know, don't, don't settle for something that isn't enough. But I think in the end, like we have to realize like that's not gonna make us happy. A certain dollar amount isn't gonna fix something. You're still you with a $450,000 salary. I mean, you might be balling a little bit with a $450,000 salary, 
but it's still you. And we need to think about having different priorities. And of course, like, make the money that you can, but just recognize that ultimately that's not going to make you happy. There's actually a study that says household happiness goes down after you get past a $75,000 a year mark. That there's a certain amount of happiness that comes from getting up to that mark, but once you get past that mark, household happiness actually goes down. Generosity also goes down as far as percentage. People who are very, very wealthy, they might be able to, to give um, a larger check um, than, than you or I could maybe, you know, if you're a multi-multi-millionaire, you can give a little bit more, but percentage-wise, generosity goes down. So we think that there are these certain things that are going to help us be happier in work, but in reality, I think it is about us recognizing our first calling. Remember, we've talked about how in the Greek and Roman world, the idea of um, getting into like some sort of paradise was about all work being gone, and you just like laying around and, and doing nothing. But the Christian story, which starts in Genesis, is very different. It starts with God working and God creating. And then God creates humanity and says this, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And God then invites Adam and, and Eve to rule the world. And the actual word there in Hebrew is an idea of, of subdue, like partner with me. I, I've given you all of these resources and these gifts. I've given you animals and all these things that you have. And now you get to partner with me in the creation of the world. Just as I have started by giving some order to all of the chaos that is here, you can partner with me in doing it. And Jesus, I think, continues to build on this idea. I'm going to open uh, my Bible and read. It's a long passage, a long parable that Jesus tells. If you'd like to follow along uh, on your phone or on your Bible, you're welcome to. Uh, so it's Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. And this might be a story uh, that you're familiar with, but I'd like you to, to really try to hear it with, with fresh eyes. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gave two more. But the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the, bought the other five. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew where I harvested, 
where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back, at least with interest. So take the bag of gold from him, and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever will be given, whoever who has will be given more, and they will receive an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And know that this, then throw this worthless servant outside into darkness, where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is kind of harsh, isn't it? There are these two who are given quite a bit. The one gets five bags of gold. The other gets two and gains. They each gain more. And then one gets one. And what's he supposed to do with it? And it's odd in some ways that the master is just very mean. You are wicked and you are lazy. I'm going to throw you out where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in the streets. It's a bit of a hard word that Jesus gives us. But you have to understand a little bit about this. A talent was 250, in modern days dollars, 250,000 to a million dollars range. So this is the Warren Buffett of the New Testament, basically. He has an unbelievable amount of wealth. The talent would have weighed about 75 pounds, so it's not something you want to be carrying around with you uh, very much. And in that time, a, a common thing that you would do, because banking was way different than it is now, there's a lot of people who would say it's smart to go and bury it in the ground and just make sure you have a map to get back to it, but bury it in the ground, make sure nobody can take it, and that way like, you don't have to stay up or be concerned or worried about what's going to happen. And then you can just relax and take it easy and know that you have that. Think about it. Like, What would happen if suddenly you got a $500,000 inheritance? What would you do? You'd probably put it in the bank. You probably wouldn't carry it around with you. I mean, you have a decision to make, right? What am I going to do with this? How can I participate in this? And it's interesting. I think one part of it is, is comparison. I mean, the, the two before, they had quite a bit, and the one just gets nothing. But I love how a commentator says this, Susan DeAnthony. She said, there's going to be a season in your life where you're living with one talent, or you're at the end where you feel like, all right, this is all I have and I want to protect. And as I think about the, the God of the universe, as I think about who it is that I'm trying to serve, like, okay, I, I want to just get into protection mode. I don't want to put any risk out there. But whenever I think of this story, I, I once heard a sermon about it a long time ago, and uh, the preacher said that, what you would love to have, because you have one who has five and gets five, the, the two who go and risk it, they gain, right? What you'd love to see is the one who had three and came back with one. But the preacher said, in the kingdom of God, that doesn't happen. Because the only thing that is a failure in the kingdom of God is just not trying. Because we've all had experiences where we failed, but we've learned some really important stuff where we've taken a risk and perhaps it didn't turn out how you wanted it to. But you'll always remember the lessons from that season. Because the only failure is just burying it in the sand and thinking, it's just not worth risking. I'm not going to put myself out there again. 
And think for a minute about those who had a lot and then were able to double it. Think about the jobs that were created, the businesses that were started. What one commentator says about this is, this is a story not about God wanting production, it's about God wanting partners. It isn't about the amount that, that they ended up getting in the end. It's that God wants us to partner and to use the gifts that we have for the good of the world. And the reason why I think that, that servant gets such, such a, a nasty comment, like, get out of here. I mean, it's like all he did was bury him. It's kind of the safe, perhaps even wise thing to do. Because living a life that's based on fear is just not worth living. Living trying to protect yourself, it's not worth going in that way. So what is it that God has called you to use to serve, to bless the world? Which leads me to talk about Ryan Gosling, which is an obvious move. After uh, he had starred in the movie The Notebook, one of my favorite movies, um, he ended up, after that movie was over, working at a local deli in Los Angeles, which is really funny. Imagine if you just walked in and Ryan Gosling is like making you an Italian sub or something. And the, the reason that, that he said that he did that, he, he was interviewed uh, in, in GQ, like normal people do, and he said, uh, the problem with Hollywood is that nobody works. And I have to pause right there because I know many of you are involved in the industry, and many of you work very, very, very hard. So this is like Ryan Gosling said it, I didn't. Uh, and I think... <laughs> I think uh, he, he's referring not to those, those of you who are like trying to make it in Hollywood because you all work extremely hard. I think he's referring to some of the people like A-list actors people who, you know, they can just get whatever role they want and it's not a big deal. But at one time, I think they all really worked hard as far as I can tell. But this is his perspective. When you get, I think it's when you get to a certain level in Hollywood, uh, people don't work, they have meals, they go to Pilates, but it's not enough. So they do drugs, they destroy their lives. If everybody had a pile of rocks in their backyard and spent every day moving them from one side of the yard to another, it would be a much happier place. And I think we know that there's something right in that. And it's probably not moving rocks for you, but, but I know that like, when I spend a, a Saturday, which I need to do soon, organizing our garage, there's a certain sense of like, wow, I really did something today. And I'll have Manny come out and look and be like, yeah, I'm kind of proud of this. You know, I, I put it together and it's a functional garage until the kids start to play in it a few days later and it's all kind of out of order again. But there's something too, just, you know, doing something, organizing something, using gifts that, that, that you have, using, using your hands. Because... I think it's, it's easy when perhaps even you arrived at a place like, like he's talking about to end up just not really just connecting with the earth and, and, and using your body well. I love having Lindsay share today because she gets the opportunity to, to help people use their bodies again, right? It's so important for us to, to think about using all of who we are to serve God in the world. And that's difficult. 
It takes us constantly thinking about it. It takes us like going back again, like again, when, you, when you've had a bad interaction, when somebody's like written you that angry email, when, when it's just a real tense situation, it's easy to just draw back. I'm just, I'm just gonna not, not engage anymore because this stuff is hard. I think what ends up happening is we all lose. Dorothy Sayers has a quote about those who were involved in, in World War II. They said, the reason men and women found themselves happy and satisfied in, in the army for the first time in their lives, they found themselves doing something not for the pay, which is miserable, but for the sake of getting the thing done and working together for a greater purpose. Think for a minute about what the master says to the, the first two. He says, after they've come with this report, come and enter into your master's joy. Come and, and enter in. You have decided that you can put your gifts, this stuff out on the line. Come and, and enter into your master's joy. And what if we could have that as our motivation? God, I want to work for, for your joy. And again, that's going to take recentering yourself every day. It's going to take you thinking about that. It's going to take you like really like connecting with that. But imagine that because think about the very beginning. Adam and Eve, when they sin, they hide which seems like a bad idea. I mean, hiding from God, it's not a hide-and-seek game you're going to win. But their first impulse, as, as this brokenness has, has entered into the world, their first impulse is, is to hide back. And I think we all get in that way. It's easy for us to, to, to stand back and, and not really use the gifts that we have. But could you, starting tomorrow, even, even starting right now, could you think about your work, whether you're retired or still in school or halfway through your career, could you just think, all right, I, I want to use my time, my, my nine to five, my eight to five, instead of, like, how can I maximize my own value and my own worth so one day I can retire? How, could you just say, all right, I, that I, I believe, I trust in God, that's going to take care of itself. But I'm going to engage my workplace starting from posture of service. Starting from a position that says, all right, I, I want to bless others today. God, how can I do that? And I know that it's a hard time. It's basically a hard time to have done anything over these last couple years. It's a divided time. And I feel like you and I could be parts of just little graces that people experience. You and I could be a little more patient a little extra kind. And it's in those ways, these things that maybe seem small to you that adds up and it matters. Because ultimately, I believe the, the calling of every human being is to serve 
the world, to serve in the purposes of God. And no matter what it is that you do, you have an opportunity to do that starting tomorrow. Let's pray, and then we'll worship together. God, may we think about that, that simple idea of entering into the joy that you have for us. And that, that's hard to do. We're busy. We're, we're worn thin. There's a lot of responsibilities on us. But may we try again and again to think about just being a blessing to others, whatever career we happen to have. May we try to, to use the gifts that, that we have to bless the people in our sphere of influence. Help us to think about how we can use our gifts and use our work as an offering to you. Your son, Jesus, and I pray, amen.